Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Lebertius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog. Shit, peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Addressing Skype issues through the break. I won't have any of that stupid talking and telephone connecting sounds. God, I hate that. Let's pretend we have a really professional internet show, but when we go to call the guests, you hear all of the dial tones and connections. Then I can't do my great intro. I got to tell the guests to hold on while I intro. I mean, give me a break. (laughs) Joke. What kind of operation you run in, Remps? Come on now. Yin's Love Barbecue is in tonight. Thermometerized. Sounds like it's something Golden Corral would use in an ad. Our steaks are thermometerized to ensure perfection before you dip it in the chocolate fountain. And who wouldn't dip that Golden Corral steak into the golden chocolate fountain? I don't think we want to throw thermometer eyes out too far because somebody's going to grab that, whether you believe it or not. I mean, that is a gold. That's a gold catchphrase. (laughs) As I had mentioned, still to come on the show this evening, Mike McLeod. We'll be talking about World Food Championships. Mike and the World Food Championships made a big announcement at the end of last week. I believe it was actually Friday. So we'll talk to him about the big news and what 2019 is shaping up like, uh, both from a World Food Championships new version and what the final table is going to look like. Will it be a lot like last year, which was a newer version of years past, or will it be more of what last year looked like? And that will be in about 12 minutes from now. Again, don't forget to follow me socially. I mean, a lot of you guys follow Jack Arnold, 54 thousand of you do how about some of you come on over and follow barbecue central show i'm pretty cool i have some pretty engaging content i like to answer everybody that makes a post on my posts i don't try to clog my feed with crap although i can't commit that it won't be crap sometimes i try and reserve my crap for the stories i'm learning okay SH3 is trying to teach me the ropes. One day we're going to hit 10 grand. That's going to be a day that we'll all remember together. Also, uh, I'm sorry, while you're following me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. If you're watching this feed on Facebook, give me a like, leave me a comment. I'll come and answer after the show. I don't follow the Facebook feed, by the way, so don't ask. Also, be sure to tune in to me each and every Friday for my appearance on the John Cupo Show here in Cleveland. If you are local 
to Willoughby, Ohio, and within a 15-minute radius in any direction, 101.5 on your FM dial and 13.30 on your AM dial. Otherwise, you can just go to wintradio.com. That's Whiskey India November Tango, wintradio.com. I usually get in there around 7.30 in the morning, runs about 60 minutes, although last week we did 90 minutes. And I think 15 minutes of that was a verbal altercation between me and the host getting into it about if Austin Carr, the guy who does our color commentary for the Cleveland Cavaliers, is indeed a city treasure or not. Go back and get the archive and see which side I took. I mean, if you're a fan of the show, you know what side I took, right? Now, this is different than me hosting the show because I'm not a host on John's show. I'm a guest. Some people like to see me get turned around, get asked questions, and then answer. Some don't. I get it. But if you want to see a different side of me, 7.30 Eastern in the morning, wintradio.com. I got lots of great reaction to David Qualls' visit last week on the show as he makes his run for the KCBS Board of Directors. If you are a KCBS member, you have the opportunity to vote for David. There are five available seats up for vote. There is one current member on the board that is up for re-election. There's lots of visible support being tossed around for Dave through social media. Not sure exactly how that will translate to the actual voting, but of course time will tell on that. Also, KCBS has recently rolled out a very new and, might I say, sexy-looking website. So if you haven't checked that out, you might want to troll on over to kcbs.us and see what in my estimation is a website that's a little smoother, a little more rounded, a little easier to look at. The last one wasn't overly hard to navigate per se. Some might find this one to be a little bit more difficult to navigate because it's just not what you're used to. But I think by and large, the aesthetic is pretty pleasing. I did see a join free option. So if you go under the membership options, there is a join free. I'm not sure exactly what that gets you. Uh, There was some like team tracking. There were three benefits. I didn't really pay too much attention, but I did find it interesting that there's a join free option. Then there's your traditional, I think it's 35 or 40 bucks for the individual for a year. And I don't know if it was 50 or 60 bucks or whatever for a family. And then you also have the lifetime options for both individual and family if you want to do that. And it spells out what you get at each level. There is a thread going on Facebook right now asking about what appears to be a requirement of members to accept a new terms of service agreement when they log in. So if you are a member of KCBS, when you go to the new website, it's going to ask you to log in for the very first time under this new interface. And from what I've read from No Names Please, the request of we've updated the website, here are some new terms of service, please click and scroll through, blah, 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 and there away you go. Now, you do have the option of reading the terms of service as well. 
Uh, I am not a member, so I did not read the terms of service. I do know that the question at hand is that if you do not accept the new terms of service, will or will you not be able to vote online for the upcoming KCBS elections? Now, I did send a quick message through the Facebook thread that I was following to Mike Peters, who is on the board, asking for a quick yes or no, that being, do you have to accept the new terms of service at the new website in order to vote online? I did get a reply back. He told me that he was dealing with KCBS member questions, and he would get back to me when he had a free moment. Of course, that answer took longer than writing a simple yes or no. So I would assume that means that you would have to accept the terms before you can vote online. Once I have that confirmed, I will update you, but I have a number of sources that tell me that if you don't, from what they've read and they are members, that if you don't accept the new terms of service, you can't exercise your vote or your right to vote for the board online. You have to accept terms of service first, then you would be able to have the option of voting online for KCBS BOD coming up shortly. Now, it does also appear that if you do not accept the TOS in order to access online voting, you will have the option of requesting a paper ballot to get your vote in. But, I mean, really, why would you force your paying membership base to accept new terms of service on a website that really should have nothing to do with voting? On its face, seems odd. So, Mike, Randall, if you're listening, feel free to call in, clear that up. Happy to have you on real quick, and you can tell me I am uh, misreading or mishearing or anybody else that's telling me you have to accept the terms of service in order to take advantage of the online voting. That's not the case, or it is the case. Feel free to call in. The hotline is yours, 216-220-0966. Again, 216-220-0966. We can get that cleared up on the show this evening, or if I get an answer back from uh, Mike or Randall later on, I will pass that through the week or put it at the lead of the show next Tuesday. By the way, programming note, there will be a show on Christmas. Yes. The Embedded Correspondence segment, not one hour, but two hours. That's right. Who knows what type of shenanigans and tomfoolery there will be. Mike McLeod coming up out of the break. I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Robin Lindars mentioned it last hour. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market. She is recommending that if you're in the market for a pellet cooker or a cooker in general, Green Mountain Grill is one that you should offer. And I do want to expound a little bit on what she was talking about. Like, does she, uh, when she said that Green Mountain Grills works through a dealer network. What does that mean? That means in Jason Baker and everybody else at Green Mountain Grills' belief, they think that finding a partner in order to sell these brilliant cooking devices in serves their needs better. Okay? So, 
uh, anyway, um, they want to educate the dealer. In turn, they will educate you, the consumer. In turn, they're taking away pretty much every option of buyer's remorse. I mean, that's the worst thing ever. You go drop twelve or thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars, uh, <laughs> and then you get it home. You don't know how to use it. But what's the first thing you decide to do? Ah, forget it. I'm gonna bring it back. I don't want to use it. Remount Grill doesn't want to have anything to do with it. They want you to feel completely armed with all the information. You have that beginner's wherewithal in order to produce great food right off the bat. That's why the dealer network and the dealer relationships work for them. They can teach the dealers. The dealers, in turn, teach the consumers. It's a win-win-win situation all the way around. Now, three different sizes to choose from. The big one is the Jim Bowie. The medium size is the Daniel Boone. Those two, you can rip the guts out, turn them into high-heat pizza ovens if you want with that $130 pizza oven insert, which I absolutely love. If you like tailgating or something to take a little bit more portable, the Davy Crockett is just what you need. All of them are wood-burning, wood-pellet-burning machines, so you get that flavor that you're accustomed to, except with the Davy Crockett, you can take it anywhere you want to go. If you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, 12-volt outlet in the car works too. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back with Mike McLeod right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Show, giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield, purveyors of fine pork across this great land. Still spots open for the Committed Cooks program, so if you're interested, head on over to smokinwithsmithfield.com. Give them 25 bucks; They'll give you back a bunch of Smithfield swag, probably valued well over $200. So hit them up, smokinwithsmithfield.com. That's smokinwithsmithfield.com, I believe, January 8th. I will have either Emily Detweiler or um, Belinda uh, Niebling on. That is not her last name, by the way. I know that because she got married. I just can't think of the married name right off the top of my head. Belinda or Emily will be on talking about the recipients of the 2019 Smithfield Grant Program. So that's exciting. Oh, where are you at? I'll make sure that we're all ready to go here. Oh, no. He's got two? Sweet Lord. Now, hold on. Never, ever have I had two phone numbers for Mike McLeod in my life. Tonight, though, we do. All right, that's the one I thought. 
what's that other number? That's terribly confusing. Anyway, my next guest is the president and CEO of MMA Creative, also the creator of the World Food Championships, and that will be the topic of conversation tonight, at least for the most part, with some big news recently announced at the end of last week. We hit the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Mike McLeod. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you? I am absolutely fabulous, Mike. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. And I guess before we get into World Food Championship talk, I'm going to ask you something completely unrelated. Big surprise, I'm sure, to you. Um, It's what I have termed the purposeful undercooking of steak in America. Is this something Mm. that you have experienced more times than not, or am I really making something out of nothing? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm happy to give you the five-second dissertation, but I would imagine you might have some idea of what I'm talking about. Are you talking about a restaurant? Yes, yeah, I've noticed it some. I eat a lot of steak restaurants, um, and and I do notice that uh, a they're they're suggesting uh, medium rare now, and um, sometimes you get even less than that. So I I don't know if that's a a trend or if that's um, uh, something that chefs are trying to prove they can do. I, I haven't done any homework on it, but I think I've noticed some of that. But but what do you think is the if if I go, man, I'm all wound up over this. I had a terrible experience last night, and, you know, if I go to Longhorn or if I go to Outback, you know, the expectation level is pretty freaking low. I give them a, okay, medium rare or medium, or I try to guess how incompetent the person running the grill is, but if I go to, for instance, Red the Steakhouse, which is widely considered to be not only the best steakhouse in Ohio, but typically rates one of the best in the country year after year. And I go and I'm going to spend my I have 65 or $75 per steak or more, depending on what I'm feeling like that night. I mean, is it not my expectation as a consumer to say, hey, I would like it to be at 132 degrees when he pulls it off the cooker or, or whatever that thing is versus the lady saying, hey, what temperature do you want your steak at? And Oh, by the way, whatever you tell me, we're just going to cook it however the fuck we want it. Because, I mean, that's really what it feels like. I mean, and they brought it out. It, I mean, it was so far missed, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Well, I, I hope you send it back, and uh, I hope that you get better service next time or better cook next time. I haven't seen it to that level. Uh, I, I rarely – I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to how the cook is, uh, is treating my steak as long as it's not just you know two octave levels off. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know, maybe you had a bad, uh, the cook was having a bad night or, or someone, you were just unlucky that night. I don't know. I haven't seen it to that extreme. Should you, should they be using thermometers in the kitchen or is that ridiculous? Well, I wouldn't, I I don't, first of all, I don't run a restaurant, so I, it's hard for me to postulate what they should do, but I I think I would probably do that, uh, especially with. Uh, food health and safety as prominent as it is these days i think i think that's a a smart thing to do especially when you're dealing with something rare or medium rare um you know otherwise they're they're guessing right mike mcleod joining me and uh, enough of the self-indulgence was i appreciate mike uh so let's talk (laughs) about world food championships here and as i had mentioned in the open big news coming at the end of last week which was 
moving out mm-hmm. of Orange Beach, where it has been for the last few years, heading to Big D, which is Dallas, Texas. When did you know that Orange Beach wasn't going to be the long-term home for the event? The uh, third day that I was there this year, uh, first of all, this is our third year in Orange Beach. Mm -hmm. We had a three-year contract, and we had a two-year option to renew. And I had been pushed, um, uh, not pushed, I had been encouraged to, to renew the term um, and we had received offers from other cities as we do all the time, uh, to bring WFC somewhere else. Uh, they, they know that we occasionally move the event. So there's always some enterprising tourism department or director who, who likes to, to, to wave an opportunity in front of our face. But I, I literally, <clears throat> I had, a, an offer on the table from Dallas for about three or four months. And I just let it sit on my desk and and draw dust um, because I wanted to see how the um, how the parking lot uh, paving the portion that they paid for the parking lot this year would work, and I also wanted to see uh, how attendance was uh, this year. I I can't say enough uh, good things about the community of Orange Beach. I think it's a phenomenal uh, community with some very passionate um, culinary people and, and tourism folks and. Uh, it has been a great home for us um, for the past three years. But as a as an organizer of an event, there are certain things that you just you have to have in place to be successful. Number one is a good event grid, and we had challenges with this this particular parking lot every year. We every time we fixed it, the challenge popped up somewhere else. And then secondly, we we couldn't bust through uh, the thirty thousand attendees number. Uh, that we had set the year before. So it told us that we probably were maxing out in Orange Beach uh, as far as attendance. So, you know, they have a population of 6,000. Um, and when you're looking at trying to grow an event with the world's largest retailer and um, a TV program around it and, and major platform extensions, it it really helps to be in a bigger metro market. So moving to one of the top five metro markets uh, in America made a lot of sense. What makes Dallas the better spot over some of the other offers? I mean, I don't expect you to unveil who else was courting you, but I'm sure there were some other decent-sized cities. So what makes Dallas the best spot? Uh, frankly, uh, a couple of the other cities that were courting us were more northern in latitude and since we you know kind of marked that end of the year scenario that just doesn't that gets real dicey it's already a challenge in orange beach um it proved to be a challenge all three years that we're there it'll be a a little bit of a challenge in dallas although we're trying to move it up in the season um but quite frankly the biggest draw uh are two or three facts number one it's a top five media market that is absolutely important as you're dealing with bigger and, and more strategic brands. Uh, number two, it's geographically in the middle of the country. If you think about our history, we've been on the West Coast with Vegas. Then we um, had that blip on the radar, which is probably my worst venue decision ever in my life. And hopefully I never repeat it when we went to Florida. <laughs> uh, it was that and then bad. We, we, we had a pretty good Southeast. You know, we did Southeast location with Orange Beach. So it was easy for people in the Southeast to go. When we're in Vegas, it's easy for West Coast people to go, especially if you're hauling a smoker, right? I mean, think about that for a second. 
Uh, Dallas is right smack dab in the middle of America. So it is uh, also right smack dab in the middle of a big barbecue contingency. So the fact that they have two airports, the fact that they have 7 million residents in the metro market, um, it just makes a ton of sense that we would relocate there. And um, quite frankly, I, you know, we, when we first started World Food Championships, we kind of thought, oh, this would be just like a Super Bowl. We'll move it every year. And then we realized, oh, my God, the infrastructure necessary for this and the money required for this, is in, there's no way we're going to move it every year. But we still might move it every three or four years. Um, I hope that this could be our last move. I really do. I, I think that uh, we are ready for a major metro market uh, as far as a foodie event. Um, I think it is convenient to everyone in America. Uh, it's easy to get to. It's not overly expensive. Um, if if we, I think it's going to be hard in three years. I, I think it's going to be hard for us to pull up stakes from Dallas. I really do. So now that we, I'm going to back you into another strategic decision, and, and I hope I don't run over your brakes here. The <laughs> the final table is really our roving strategy. Uh, now that we pushed it up into the spring, we could do the final table in. New York City. We could do final table in Seattle. We could do it in Singapore. We could do it in Paris. We could do it in London. So that becomes the movement strategy. Those 10 individuals get a trip of a lifetime and a chance to win 100 grand. And the main event is going to be possibly, in my hope, I can't see three years from now. I can certainly see the plans for for next year, and they're awesome. Uh, But I think we have the chance to have found our home. I think it's going to be, and of course, it'll, it'll depend on how the teams come to us and you know, how our sponsors react and how the, how the venue uh, operates, but we're pretty forgiving on a venue. We worked three years in Orange Beach trying to fix certain problems. And ultimately I just had to throw in the towel. So, um, yeah, so that's why we chose Dallas. I, I want to circle back to the Orlando thing here just for a second. I guess I didn't realize, and uh, I guess you didn't really go out of your way to say how much you didn't like that whole experience. What, about it was bad was it just congested was it disney stuff or was it a a battle from all points it was it was a number of things um but number one um you know the the town of celebration which is a beautiful another beautiful disney-esque town um after (laughs) it's like neighbors or or visitors after about three days they start smelling like fish right we (laughs) we took over celebration for 10 days. They didn't expect that. And after about three or four days, even though we communicated it to leadership, the residents of celebration wanted us gone mm. on the fourth day. And we still had a week to go. So it became very problematic on a number of fronts. Logistically, if you can imagine people who were, who were going to help, but decided not to, if you can imagine, uh, leaders telling you, you know, is there any way you can shorten this? And hell no. <laughs> um, so it was, we were one and done. I, I knew after day three in Florida, my next biggest objective was a fire the person who had convinced me that that was a smart thing to do and look myself in the mirror and say, now what are you going to do? And then secondly, um, uh, find a more suitable venue for the world food championship. So it took me 43 days to do it. Probably the fastest, relocation contract I've ever done in my life. Uh, and I think it, it paid off in spades. I think we found our footing. We found a uh, great community and great 
uh, spirit in Orange Beach, but we're pushing the ceiling of, of limits there uh, as far as population and attendance. And if we're going to grow this thing and make it the biggest food champ platform out there that gives people opportunities left and right, we need to be in a bigger market. Mike McLeod joining me here on the show, worldfoodchampionship.com is the website. Uh, Mike, as you had mentioned, moving to Dallas feels, at least now, I mean, I know, like you said, you can't look two, three years into the future here, but there is some type of a, a finality or permanency to this move. I mean, can I speculate that continuing to move, even if it is every few years at some point, would affect the World Food Championship's popularity or ability to grow because there isn't that consistency or ability to say, okay, well, at least we know that this portion of the World Food Championships is going to be taking place at this month of the year over this week and is always going to be in this place. Does that lend to the ability for people to plan and grow, or is that a little absolutely. short-sighted? It, it, it Actually, one of the outer rings of impact is the ability for corporations to do annual party planning around it. So being stationary it is desirable, uh, certainly in our second and third year uh, of, of being in a certain location, we gain a lot of efficiency from an operation standpoint, but the, the partners that we uh, bring with us and the new partners that we, we find, um, they love consistency so they can plan their budgets year over year. So uh, that is certainly part of our consideration and it's certainly part of the, the game plan. We, we have a three-year deal for Dallas. Uh, with an extension to renew. Uh, that's the way I always do these contracts. And <clears throat> if I could tell you everything I know without breaking the NDA of four <laughs> different companies I'm working under right now, um, you would you would be as excited as I am about the fact that this could be not only the home run, but the Grand Slam moment as far as a, a venue and a location for World Food Championship. So I would imagine going into next year, you would be looking for... Uh, perhaps a sizable uptick in overall attendance, whether it be from competitors and just from general public? Both. Uh, I think we'll hit uh, 100,000 people uh, in attendance. I think um, uh, we will have 500-plus teams easily. Um, I, I think now with Dallas uh, and its market being so much larger than Memphis, so much larger than Kansas City, um, I, I think we become absolutely a de facto major bar no hesitation. I, I think if you think the Kansas City Royal has the dark side now, wait till you see what we've got planned for Dallas. Um, it, it probably won't be 19, but in 20 and 21, um, we already know how we can build out a corporate dark side that could rival. No, it'll, it will blow away the Kansas City Royal, period. Mike Cloud joining me here on the show. Uh, not to be like too corporate guy here, but... Uh, Going to Dallas, obviously, a, a, as you said, top five media market. Was there ever any talk because of who the, the major brand partner is with you guys, that being uh, Walmart, that you would move World Food Championships to Bentonville? Obviously not a huge media market, but, um, I mean, we know early, who the name is on yeah. the sponsor. You know, early on, there was a lot of talk about that. They Walmart, once they dug in their heels and kind of understood really what was going on with our platform, really loved it so much that they – one of their key leaders asked me, would you ever consider moving it here? And, um, 
you know, once I explained to him, to them, the challenges that would surround that, yeah, it'd be great for corporate partners. Yeah. We'd probably have 30, 40,000 people, but here again, we'd be tapping out in, in that area. Um, as far as a, a, doing a 200, 300, 400,000 uh, population, uh, base. So, um, that made sense to them. And, uh, they, like always have been a great partner and they basically uh, believe that we're making the right decisions for the platform and, and they're supporting our move to Dallas. In fact, they're, they've already made a visit and, um, I was able to show them around, uh, the last couple of venues that we're, we're in contract negotiations with as far as, uh, nailing down some last logistical things. And, um, they gave me some good feedback and, but they, overall, they, they really like the move to Dallas. Mike Cloud joining me here on the show. Mike, can I hold you over just for a couple more minutes on the other side here, and we'll talk a little barbecue and world food. All right, stand by. We're talking with Mike McLeod here from the World Food Championships. And uh, when we get back, we'll talk to him a little bit about specifically the barbecue side of things in the World Food Championships because this is a barbecue and grilling show. I'm going to talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. They make smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast, Eddie Morin. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can actually double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the Pelly Grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. So if you're not into pellet cookers, no problem. They got the best electric smokers on the market. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion, dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698 or visit cookshack.com. Mike McLeod on the other side. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com. Or call 816-945-2232. I might have one of those in my stocking come next week. We'll see. In the meantime, we rejoin Mike McLeod from World Food Championships. Mike, appreciate you hanging through the break there. Uh, so I've let's... Got two things. Yeah. Can I clarify two things? Please. Number one, I've not always been available to you. I blew you off during the World Food Championships, and I apologize for that. Are you kidding um, me? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean... I, uh, 
I you should hosting, know better. I was hosting a dinner for 20 very important people, three of those being World Food Champions, and I just kept looking at his phone. I was like, who from Ohio is calling me? <laughs> I totally forgot. Totally space, so I apologize. Um, and then secondly, uh, by boil away Kansas City, I want to make sure everyone understands. I, I'm not trying to put Kansas City Royal out of business. I think they're a fantastic barbecue event. But I think our attendance figures and our team count is going to be uh, number one in the nation uh, within three years. So uh, that's what I mean by blow away. Uh, all right. So let's get into a, a little bit more of the barbecue side here as far as it relates to World Food Championships. Sure. Do, do you see this section of World Food Champion, that being the barbecue section, going away at some point? I mean, there certainly doesn't seem to be an increase in teams looking to participate, or at least it didn't this year. And the barbecue champ from the year prior didn't even compete this year to defend his title. Has has the event lost some luster as far as this section or, or this portion of the barbecue community is concerned? Uh, I certainly hope not. Uh, I haven't. Uh, I haven't heard that per se, and and I don't know why uh, Fred didn't come back. It, it could have been a, a multitude of reasons. You know, it's getting one thing for sure. It's getting tougher and tougher uh, to to repeat as a champion. And I think a lot of our champions are seeing that because the field gets uh, tougher every year and bigger every year. Uh, I think there was uh, some confusion. Uh, there, there probably was some ruffled feathers from the year before uh, because we used the prize purse uh, cash plus prizes strategy, which we immediately reverted back to cash only. So uh, we righted that ship cr- pretty quickly. Uh, and then, of course, there was the, the whole uh, change in sanctioning body. We did not do a KCBS versus IBCA. Uh, we did an IBCA, and we did our own EAT methodology. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people were were either um, uh, not happy about that or concerned about that or curious about that. Uh, but I, I think if, if anyone's honest uh uh, when they're asked that, they were there and actually saw the barbecue platters that were turned in during the eat portion. Um, I, I think they would agree that that was a, a very unique and very interesting uh, and very legitimate process. So um, I, I don't see, to answer your original question, I don't see it going away. If it did, it saved me a hell of a lot of money. Um, barbecue is a lost leader for our championship. Um, we always put more money into it than we get from entry fees. And, um, and it's, you know, it's one of those things that's a big land grab. If, if I didn't have to think about barbecue, um, rigs, whenever I go to pick a, a venue and trying to keep them close to, uh, the kitchen arena, my job would be a lot easier when it comes to the venue selection. But, um, you know, barbecue is a legacy play for me, Greg. And you know, um, that I got, I cut my teeth on food sport and barbecue, Tony Stone, uh, pulled me into the barbecue arena, and uh, for me, I, I just I, I want to continue his legacy. And and as far as I'm concerned, there'll always be a place for barbecue. I think Dallas is going to be an interesting uh, game changer. I think sitting right in the middle of all those IBCA hundreds of IBCA teams uh, is going to be a good barometer in 2019. We are definitely going to return with an IBCA sanctioning and an EAT sanctioning. Um, so we. We'll, we'll ask me again a year from now what I think about barbecue, and, and maybe you'll hear um, as equally uh, compelling stories uh, that I think we're going to see. Let me circle back because I am intrigued. Why the drop of KCBS since you had had it since the beginning and, and go to an IBCA, which the year before was uh, dual KCBS and IBCA? 
about your drop case CBS. Well, why do that? I, I I think we've discussed this a little bit. You know, we we were the agency of record for KCS for a long time, and and when um, when we stepped away from that in a mutual manner, um, we it kind of unshackled us. You know, I was always afraid to do an IBCA, always afraid to do an MVN, afraid to do something else because I thought it might jeopardize my relationship with KCBS. But when when um, I didn't have to worry about that anymore, I, I decided let's experiment with this. Let's let's see what else is going on. I like IBCA's process as far as sa- um, uh, using consumers to sample because I've always thought ever since I got into barbecue that that was an Achilles heel for barbecue organizers who didn't who didn't feed the public. Uh, so I wanted to experiment and see it. I hate, absolutely hate their award process. Um, I, I don't know that they'll ever change that. Um, <laughs> you don't like the, numbers the getting called? I don't. I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting double blind process. But I, I wish that there was a different way to do it. But uh, you know, they have their reasons. They've done it for years that way. They're probably always going to do it that way. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a huge contingency that follow that sanctioning body. We just moved ourselves right in the middle of it. Um, and just like the Royal, um, it will always be KCBS sanctioned in my opinion. Well, actually, I don't know if it's sanctioned or if it's just a, a give back like the Jack is, but, um, it's always going to be a KCBS process in the Royal. Well, uh, being in Dallas, Texas, we may always be an IBCA, uh, type event. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how 19 goes. Mike Cloud joining me here on the show, worldfoodchampionship.com, the website. All right, Mike, so I'm going to make a bold statement here, which I'm sure you're surprised to hear me do, because I've never done that with you on this show before. But, I mean, I get going into Dallas, you're literally dropping anchor in the middle of IBCA country. Uh, and I would probably say thousands of IBCA teams, not just hundreds. But it's the World Food Championships. You have to win at the eat methodology in order to make the final table and win if you're going to win at all. Why not just do away with all that bullcrap sanctioning body stuff and just go eat right off the bat? Well, it's, it's possible. Uh, I, I want to respect, um, I, first of all, thank you for asking. I think that I don't think it's a bold question. It's a very insightful question. I, I, I really believe in the eat methodology and that's why we required it at the top 10, no matter what. Um, but I want to be respectful it's like going to a neighbor's house and rearranging their, their pictures. You know, I, I don't, you don't do I, that. I, I think, I think we owe it to Texas, uh, and the teams in the IBC land to, uh, now that we've come to town to, to let them flex their muscle the way they have. I, and I thought that I was really impressed with how Fred and a lot of his comrades did, uh, comrades is probably not the best terminology for these days. Uh, but, but how his, his peers did in our event two years ago, and even this year, it is, uh, they did a fantastic job. So, um, you know, we're going to try it, and, and we'll see. I'll make an, a, a longer-term decision after I see the first 2019 barbecue contest uh, in Dallas. Uh, could you see a total speculation, but, I mean, could you see a point where barbecue drops off and the steak side just comes up and swallows that whole thing, and it's a it's a whole steak side thing instead of barbecue in general? Only- only if the trends in barbecue continue to go significantly in the direction that I think they're going in. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's under financial pressure, um, not only for teams, but for event directors. And, you know, being a barbecue team is not cheap. We both know this. And um, it, it's, it's a very expensive hobby. And uh, I, I see a lot of, this year we had the, large, the largest field we had was in steak. And, 
a lot of them were were old KCBS barbecue type teams. So it wouldn't surprise me to see steak overcome barbecue, but I, I would here again, going back to my legacy comment, I would always like to have some kind of barbecue thing. I know if I were to drop in a river event right into Dallas, we would just knock the doors down. Um, and, and especially if we were to change the program into where it's a St. Louis rib one day and it's a, <laughs> Uh, KCBS rib the next day or Kansas city rib the next day. And then a Memphis rib the third day. I mean, we, if we were just selling that to attendees from a river standpoint, that would be massive. So, um, barbecue always play a role. Is it going to evolve? Well, you tell me, I mean, you see the industry and the trends as much as anybody. Do you foresee a eat style sanctioning, series hosting let's say 20 different barbecue events under the eat style during the course of a calendar year yes really yes i am so smart mike tell me how smart i am go ahead (laughs) you have always got your finger on the pulse that's what i like about uh talking with you and and paying attention to your shows i i um all i'm gonna say is yes all right uh, final table stuff. When is that going to happen this year? Good question. We have a call tomorrow uh, with our final table contestants. Um, right now, more than likely, it looks like it's going to happen in February uh, uh, with a backup uh, day to April. The reason we want to do it in February is because we want uh, it's going to be filmed for TV, and we want it to air on TV in April, um, kind of kicking off the entire season, getting everybody excited, um, watching some – someone you might know win a hundred thousand dollars, uh, on a, a major, uh, uh, TV channel. So, um, more than likely mid, fe- mid to late February. And, um, uh, there's some other things I could probably tell you, but I, I probably need to hold back and at least tell the contestants first. All right. Uh, you want to do a lightning round before I turn you loose here, right? Sure. All right, here we go. Let's load the lightning round. Cue the music. Lightning round with Mike McLeod. Uh, I'm just going to ask you a couple different things. First thing off the top of your head, no reason to think this is not life-changing stuff, although we can make fun of you if we want. Best Christmas song singer. <laughs> well, you do that sing- anyway, right? Right, of course. Uh, best Christmas song singer, Mariah Carey or Katie Musgrave? Uh, Mariah Carey. Bobby Flay or I'm Alton Brown? Of course. Bobby Flay or Alton Brown? Alton Brown. Ina Garten or Giada De Laurentiis? I can't even pronounce the second one, but I'll take the second one. Uh, pellet cooker or offset? Offset. Brisket or beef ribs? Brisket. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Sweet or savory? Savory. Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods? Oh, gosh. Jack. Wrong! Jack Nicholas is the biggest asshole on the face of the earth, Mike. Did you know that? We can get in at a different story. Uh, Cam Cam Newton or Baker Mayfield? Uh, Cam. Money or fame? Money. The truth or another's feelings? Truth. Open pit or sweet baby rays? Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, open pit or sweet baby rays? Yes. <laughs> sweet baby rays. Because I, I like uh, Dave Raymond. Thank God. 
<laughs> You're the only person that said Sweet Baby Ray's. I think maybe one other person. Uh, well, I know, I know Dave personally. He's just a great guy. He is the creator of the World Food Championships, and he's been talking with me for 40 minutes or so. Always appreciate the time. We are talking with Mike McLeod. Mike, thanks so much. Thank you, Greg. Take care. You got it. There he is. Mike McLeod answering questions. How about that? Love it. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. Are we over? No, we're good. Yummy. So, let's recap quickly. The website, worldfoodchampionship.com. By the way, he is the president and CEO of MMA Creative. And as he had mentioned a couple different times in the interview, cut his teeth in competition barbecue. If you recall, if you're just new to this competition barbecue game, uh, MMA Creative was the marketing partner for KCBS for I think it was 10 or 11 years, maybe. Maybe it wasn't that long, but it was quite a run, let's say. Uh, However you hear how it ended is depending on who you ask, I guess. If you go back through the annals of this show, you will find interviews with Mike. On how it ended, you will not find interviews with folks from KCBS, although I had reached out on any number of occasions, but they declined. The the second to last question, the most telling, and that was just literally a a toss-away in regards to do you see a competition series under EAT methodology? 20 or so during the course of a year. Now, I would imagine this would culminate into some type of a golden ticket or something to the World Food Championships. Just a throwaway question. And he said, yeah. Dude, so smart. So smart. God, I'm so happy with my smarts. Isn't this what I was talking about in the first hour about reducing expectation? Like, I can't expect other people that host barbecue shows to have my level of awesome that would be disappointing for me and them let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers the one stop online shop for all things barbecue their curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself You know they have the great rubs, right? Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition and barbecue circuit. They offer 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Also, they have that great relationship with Simply Marvelous Barbecue. Over the past few years, this thing called the West Coast Offense has cornered the market on competitive barbecue and redefined the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa is also the proud owner of the award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone? Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find Granny's Barbecue Sauce and other top-rated barbecue sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from the premium selection of rubs, sauces, Big Papa Smokers offers the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available on the market today. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, and even offer special packages. Not a fan of the pellet smoker? No problem. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. 
If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast like me looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill from Texas is just what you need. They're built like tanks. Not sure what grill you need? You really can't go wrong with anything featured at Big Papa Smokers. It's clear this is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product on their website, hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your barbecue skill with the help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. You can call them toll-free at 877-828-0727 or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. 216-220-0966 is the number to call. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey. And thank you. Welcome back. You know, my pontification for the future of barbecue at the World Food Championships, and certainly I appreciate Mike McLeod saying that it's a legacy play for him because that's where he cut his teeth was in competitive barbecue so I don't know if ah, you know I'm a business guy first I mean if it's costing you money and it didn't seem to be as popular or as well attended as it has in years past and as I circle back to point number one and it's a loser for you I mean why would you bother keeping it around uh, I wouldn't want to keep a loser customer around. Break even, maybe. Couple bucks on the make, okay. But if it's a straight loser, then, I mean, I would seriously give consideration for whacking. I mean, why would you want to keep it around? I get and appreciate the, we want to keep it around because this is where we started, that whole nice guy thing, whatever. I would give serious consideration if it's a lo- unless it's not that big of a loser but if it's a a straight come loser then yeah I, I would whack it just my personal opinion now as far as the long term outlet or outlook for barbecue in world food championships i do hear people say they continue to feel like the locations are bad they don't get a fair shake. They're outcasts. They're farther away from kitchen stadium or kitchen arena or whatever you call it. And that it's just that there doesn't seem to be the same type of feeling that everybody else is getting. Things that are told to me. And maybe that's why attendance on the barbecue side might have been down or the interest was down. You didn't hear a lot of talking about it at all leading up to it. And as I had mentioned to Mike, the guy that won the barbecue title the year before wasn't even in it. And if you peruse the teams, I mean, certainly there were some pretty big names out there. But as you look in years past, the elite were going to the World Food Championships and they were talking about. That was certainly not the case this year. 
not to take anything away from uh, the team that won the barbecue side of things. They will be going to the final table that, again, maybe in February or as a backup in April, but we'll continue to follow along and see where that ends up shaking out. But I could certainly envision a World Food Championships that had no barbecue component whatsoever and that it wouldn't hurt World Food Championships at all. So we'll see where it ends up shaking out. Does competition barbecue correct itself in some way? Or will you see a swallowing of competition barbecue by competitive steak? As he said, largest attended portion of World Food Championships this year was steak. Makes sense. On a number of levels, it makes sense. All right, let's wrap it up all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Robin Lindars, the Grill Girl, her website, grillgirl.com. Make sure you check that out here over the next couple days. She has a 2018 suggestion of live fire gifts, grills, accoutrement for the person you might be buying gifts for. Remember, Christmas is only a week away, so make those orders quickly. Get them wrapped and under the tree. After Robin, we talked with first-timer of the show, Jack Arnold, Instagram sensation, 54,000 followers. You can also follow him if you don't already, at Jack Arnold. Great background on him. Next time, we can talk social media. Then we can really get into talking about backyard cooking because that's where he's living. I mean, how cool is it to be hired by Christian McCaffrey to be the guy that comes over after every home game and cooks dinner for the family, man? Hey, Baker Mayfield, I'm your guy here in Seatown, baby. What? What? Second hour, pretty much all Mike McLeod. All right, love it. Programming note, there is a live show Christmas night. So tune in after you've had all your Christmas. I'll want to hear from you. Steven Reichlin will be in. Embedded correspondence will then carry the balance of the load after that. You won't want to miss it. Still planning on having a New Year's Day night show as well. That could end up being a best of. In any event, stay tuned. Follow me on the social media platforms for all updates. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. I want to wish each and every one of you a Merry Christmas. I will see you on Christmas night, but as your opening gifts, think of me thinking of you. You know what I'm saying? Until we meet again, this is your program host and proud... Wait, did I say it? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget right. And then I said Merry Christmas. Uh, Until we meet again, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.